0: What we will discuss together in this hour. Ephesians 5 and verse 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. The idea of walking circumspectly, I don't know the best way to express that. Uh, The best way for me to think about it is you're walking on a road, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, maybe it's night, Uh, maybe you feel a little bit of danger, I don't know, but you're going to walk and you're going to make sure that you're kind of surveying, you're kind of looking around. The circumference of a circle kind of makes me think about that. So walking circumspectly, you're aware of the dangers, you're not being foolish about it, you're not being ignorant about it, and you're making the most of your time verse 16 because you know that the place where you're at is dangerous the place where you are is not a safe place and so he says don't be unwise understand what god's will is and what are we supposed to be filling ourselves up with in verse 18 we filled up with the spirit See, the reason these temptations, these, uh, these sins, excuse me, these sins that Andrew was talking about, the reason they're such a big problem and the reason that, uh, that we fall to them so often is, and I think Andrew touched on this, that, that we let Satan get this foot in the door. Jesus talks about when a man is healed of an unclean spirit in Matthew, he, that unclean spirit goes out and he, he seeks for something else, but he doesn't find anything. And when he doesn't find anything, he says, I'm going to go back to where I was. And he goes back to the person he was at before. He finds everything swept and clean. Everything's ready for him to welcome him and receive him back in. And he brings that much more in with him. What does that say about us? One of the verses that, um, that Andrew read was 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. And that's really the basis of sort of an outline of what I'm going to discuss I'm going to briefly go through the first aspect because I think uh, Andrew's covered that very well. But, uh, But when we think about this, we need to be filled to a point where Satan has no place to enter us. We need to be filled with the Spirit in such a way that there's nothing else, there's no room for anything else to enter in. And that needs to be our goal. Our life as a Christian, of course, is a process. And we trust that God, as our life continues, as we seek him, as we continue to seek him uh, with our whole heart, he will purge us of our error and strengthen us. I think that's why you find there are many Christians who are older Christians, uh, perhaps, that have been in the faith for quite a while. And maybe they have, maybe some Issues, maybe some temptations they had when they were younger is not much of a problem anymore. Maybe there's been other issues, other uh, lusts, other desires that have clouded in. But the core of this experience and the effort of resisting sin is it's about not just saying, I know I can do it. And let me say, as we approach this too, in addition to what Andrew said, if I'm thinking that I can just get by on just my sheer force of will, If I'm thinking, like, you know, I can handle this, I can do this, we're going to fail. We need to be trusting in the Lord. Uh, When we think about fleeing, I think we need to define that. And so, as I said in this verse, you've got, uh, if I may reread it, flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of the pure heart. So the three points here would be to flee youthful lusts, pursue good things, and pursue good things with those who call on the Lord. Uh, all three of these things are very, very important, but I, I want to just briefly go through what we're talking about here. Um, Andrew read out of this too, First John. Uh, and uh, we, we need to ask, what does it mean to flee? The, the definition I came up with is to run with rapidity, as from danger, the attempt to escape, to hasten from danger or expected evil. I understand in the old Gunsmoke show, there was this term, get out of Dodge, was this concept that don't go back to get anything, don't, uh, don't try to make things, you know, don't try to pack up before you leave, get out now. And that's precisely what Jesus told his disciples. He said, when you see the abomination of desolation, leave Jerusalem. Don't go back to get your cloak. Flee to the mountains, he says in Matthew 24 and in Mark 13. So the idea of fleeing means that you get away as quickly as possible. Andrew talked about the, the links that we need to be willing to go to. And I appreciate so much what he, what he said there. But also there's the aspect of time that you don't just wait around. Are there times to be patient as a Christian and wait? Yeah, you know, when when, that's, when someone else is dealing with something. And we may not know everything about that situation, right? And so we give them time to work on things right but when i know the situation when i know what's going on i got to get away from it and i got to get away from it immediately and we need to know what we're fleeing from again andrew dealt with these lust of the flesh uh, lust of the eyes the pride of life uh, i've got some passages up there we won't go over those but uh, cuz especially with some of these uh, andrew covered them very well i do want to uh consider some things that may not be obvious to us uh, you know youthful lusts i'm thinking of uh, you know younger people who may uh, uh, stay out or stay up on saturday night um, are they going to be broad eyed bushy-tailed on sunday morning no they're probably going to be sleepy they may fall asleep during the sermon they may be nodding off in bible class and things like that uh, jesus in the garden of gethsemane what was his problem with the disciples they were falling asleep you know why can't you stay awake for one hour um, I think even in terms of desires, we may file under needs. And so maybe there's a sense, even in our lives, things that we say, well, I, I need some sleep for tomorrow. But maybe you haven't done your reading that day. Maybe you haven't uh, been praying to the Lord enough that day. Just some individual things for us to think about. Uh, we can easily think that these things are necessities. Uh, Jeremiah fourteen fourteen talks about visions that deceive. The idea that, you know, you think you need this, but you really don't. Uh, Andrew was mentioning, uh, primarily we think about, you know, sexual issues, sexual uh, fornication, sexual immorality. Um, But we know that's not all of it, right? And we know that uh, the lust, lust just basically means desire for something. It doesn't mean necessarily sexual lust. So this is a, a very broad topic that we want to make sure that we are indeed fleeing from these things but what does it mean to pursue if I'm fleeing and I'm pursuing something different again another passage that Andrew read was 1 Timothy 6 and uh, that really uh, that, that passage of course is very helpful for us to consider these things and to see what's going on and he's, he, he, he's contrasting right and he's talking about how other people are But he's saying to you, Timothy, verse 11, O man of God, you're supposed to be different. You're going to flee these things. And very similar statement back to 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. We have four basic things here in this particular section that we want to consider. And first of all, righteousness. We look at Matthew 5 and verse 6. We have a great promise in the Beatitudes. What's going to happen if we are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. What's going to happen? Going to be filled. Yeah. There's the promise really here that that if I want to be filled with the Spirit, if I want to be filled with the goodness that God wants to give me, is God going to say, no, really, you you, you can't have it. No, he, he wants to readily give it. And so we need to seek and desire it and not do our best to avoid it. Are we worried sometimes in our lives? Do, do, we get, uh, do we get intimidated by some people maybe calling us goody-two-shoes? Goody or you know, maybe we feel like people say, you don't have to be that hard on, you know, on yourself. You know, you're not that bad. You're not a bad person. We know that that's going to cause some serious, serious problems. We need to be willing to question ourselves. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. One of the things he talks about here and again just kind of briefly going through here he's basically saying i could do all these great things all these amazing things but if i don't have love behind it it's pointless right but look in verse uh look at verse six love doesn't rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth our application in seeking righteousness is often missed what are we trying to do what's our goal in being righteous are we just trying to win the conservatism award are we trying to act you know we're trying to say hey you know we're we're the ones that that have got it and all these other churches hey you know do we make fun of other belief systems because we see how errant they are I mean yeah sometimes it, it seems kind of funny but are we spending all of our time thinking about how bad everyone else is We need to be thinking about our own righteousness. We need to be thinking about where we are. That's important. We can flee from something, and we can rightly point out that it's wrong without continuing to see the need for growth and strengthening within our own hearts. And so righteousness, knowing right and doing right, that's essentially what we're talking about. What else do we need to pursue? We need to pursue faith. And we need our faith to be bolstered. The man says to Jesus in Mark nine twenty four, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Is that our prayer? Is that our focus? We know that only God can reinforce our faith, and how does he do that? How, how, how is our faith reinforced? How is our faith going to be bolstered? Through prayer, mm-hmm. Knowing more about who He is, uh, seeing more about trusting Him, uh, guarding our faith is extremely important. You know, we need to look out for threats to the strength of our faith. Uh, we need to know that that our friends, our job, our you know where we choose to go to college. Uh, what we choose to do with our life, all of this can weaken or strengthen our faith. There are places in this country that young people that can go to for college that don't have any, any saints around. There's no, there's no churches for them to go to for miles and miles. And that needs to be something that, that parents think of. That needs to be something that, that, that uh, young people think of. And that, that really needs to be, uh, of course, very, very serious. What's going to impact my faith? What's going to affect my faith? I need to pursue after that and make sure my faith is increased and not decreased. We need to pursue love. God's love, first of all, is sacrificially given. You know, no one in the world has a love that, God, that, that, that approaches God's love. right? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so God's love is sacrificially given. This is something that he gave up for us. He sacrificed of himself so that we could have love. Also in Romans 5, 8, it says God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's unconditionally demonstrated. Now let's recognize in Romans 5, verse 8, what God was doing was setting up the plan. And what he's, what he's telling us is that he was demonstrating his love. That in that unconditional demonstration of his love, we see how far he's willing to go. And we see what he offers for us. And what does that, what does that mean from us? It means we can go that distance as well. That we can give everything we can. Being spent in service to God. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal of a disciple. God's love is also characteristically required. In uh, 1 John 4, let's turn there, please. 1 John 4 and verse 10. 1 John 4 and verse 10. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another what's my character look like? Do I have love in my character? Am I seeking to love others? Am I making that a priority? Or am I going to immediately think the worst of somebody? Am I immediately going to assume the worst of somebody? Well, they said that because they just don't like me. Well, they said that because they just, they're just they just bitter and just, you know. We've got to be careful about that. When we start to cordon people off when we start to distance people from ourselves when we start to dispose people you know i think brother larry mentioned that earlier this year and in uh his meeting that uh, meeting that we had here not his meeting necessarily uh that one of the big things of false teachers that you find is that relationships become disposable that anybody that doesn't go along with what they're teaching or doesn't accept what they're teaching all of a sudden they're not their friend and they drop off, you know, drop off the face of the, the earth. They become their enemy. But we can do that fairly easily. It doesn't, you know, doesn't have to mean that we're a false teacher per se. But uh, we need to have a, an appreciation for each other. And we need to pursue that appreciation. I'm not saying we all have to be buddy-buddy and, you know, I, I doesn't mean that I have to go to everybody's house every week and, you know, have coffee with them or something like that. But we need to have this sense where we're accepting of each other and to have a love that will go beyond, that will go toward those same limits. I, I recognize we can say, you know, I, I can't love the same way that God loves. But, I mean, we, then i look at passions like this. and I mean, God's not requiring that we do all that he has done. He's just requiring that we love as much as he is loved. And that's that's something that he helps us to do. So we're pursuing righteousness, we're pursuing faith, we're pursuing love in our lives. We also need to pursue peace. James 3, latter part of that chapter, talks about uh, two different kinds of wisdom. with those two different kinds of wisdom he's talking about you know wisdom from above and he talks about wisdom from below And he says in verse 17 the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace do we want to see fruit i think everybody wants to see fruit right I say that because uh, you know, you've got situations in some of these bigger cities. You've got uh, a, lot of, a lot of different congregations. You've got people that will jump between those congregations. If they see this one place seems to be going well, got a lot of young people, got a lot of things going on, they'll jump over there. When that may peter off, they jump to some other place that seems to be hopping. You know, I think everybody wants to see good things happening. We want to see the fruit let me tell you, we can't have the fruit if we don't have peace. And we can't have peace if we don't have purity. That's what James talks about in verse 17. It's first pure, then peaceable. So so we need that purity to have that peace among each other. Now, peace doesn't mean that we all 100% agree on the same things and we all, you know, are, you know. Peace means that we're working together striving to become closer together doesn't mean we're there it means we're working together it means that we can have peace together in that and so we need to pursue these things and from that we can have that fruit because he says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace if we don't have that atmosphere of peace we need an atmosphere of peace we need an atmosphere where uh, someone in bible class is not afraid to make a comment or to, to make to ask a question if they think that maybe it'll ruffle somebody's feathers. We need an atmosphere where we don't need to be afraid of speaking out or uh, having something to, that, that has to be said, as long as it's, of course, from the Word of God and it's the truth. So all of these things, can we see how looking after these things, pursuing these things, if we get busy if, in our lives working on these things, and if we carry them to their fullest extent, is there going to be a lot less chance for our temptations to claim us I think if we're busy with these things I think if we're making these things a priority there's going to be a lot less possibility let me tell you something Just in, in, my, in my life it's when I get bored <laughs> that I fall into temptation and I fall into sin from that it, it, it's when I don't have anything to do I'm not, I'm not busying myself And that's one of the things that we need to keep in mind. This is the end goal of our work together here on earth. I mean, all these things and working together as the church, this is what God intends for us. This is our work here. And it's not like we're waiting for something better. Yes, we are waiting for heaven, but we're not waiting for something better here. We've got everything we need. So we pursue these things, but we also pursue these things. Can we pursue these things all by ourselves? Sure we can. We can pursue uh, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. We can pursue that in our individual lives. But what happens when someone pursue the, pursues these things but says, you know, I don't need to be a part of a church. I, I, don't, I don't need to be a member somewhere. You know, some people think that. But you know, Paul says, pursue these things with those who call the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Uh, back in Ephesians 4, Again, don't be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, I'm sorry, Ephesians I am looking back in chapter 5, but look at Ephesians 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore and testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Uh, ultimately, when we look at what we're given in the church. And the, and the whole point of chapter 4, of course, is that idea of keeping the spirit of, of unity, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, and how we do that and all the different ways that, that we can see in Ephesians 4 about that. What we pull from that is it's not enough just to run away and pursue the right things. And we started this with saying it's not enough just to run away right? If I just run away, what's going to happen? House is going to be clean and swept. What was bad is going to come right back in. It's going to be stronger than before. I can't do that. But even more so than that, I can't just run away from it and pursue good things. I need to pursue these good things with others who were doing the same thing. A few weeks ago, there were couple of lessons on calling on the name of the lord and i appreciate what was said there Uh, calling the name of the lord is is not just about intoning some magical phrase it's about seeking him and knowing that you need him that you need him in your life and we need others that have the same goals romans 15 please Our work in Christ is not solitary. Yes, there are some individual aspects of it. There are some things that we need to work on, maybe on our own from time to time. But we know the time comes when we're struggling with something and there doesn't seem to be any way out. When there doesn't seem to be a solution to it. And it's a temptation that we keep falling under and falling into. You know, I appreciate the brother that, that came forward Wednesday night because he was looking forward. He was looking for help. And he's, he, Lord willing, he's getting help, and I appreciate him so much for that. But we have to seek out those who are like-minded. Romans 15, and verse 1, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, being a Christian is not a solitary activity. What does it mean, again, those who call on the Lord? We know the world doesn't call on the Lord. The world does everything it can to avoid the Lord while claiming to be part of Him, right? I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But my life may not approach what that ought to look like. The Christian knows that dependence on God is all that we have and that we would be nothing without him. In Psalm 145, the psalmist says, The Lord is nigh to all them that call on him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserves all them that love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. So allying with God, casting ourselves in with his forces, and working with those who are working with him. Um, It's interesting when you think about some of the things that are said out in the world, and I'm not saying this to to malign anybody, but uh, the Mormons supposedly say that John, uh, the apostle is still alive, that he never died, you know? And, And that's interesting because I believe if John were alive and on this earth, he'd be working with the true church, right? I think if John the Apostle were here, we just need to see where he's working to see where the true church was. I don't see him out there. And I say that from the standpoint that we need to be the ones that are calling on the name of the Lord so that others can, can see us and to, to be looking to us to help them. And so there's a sense that we, we seek out those who are calling on the Lord. We seek out those who are following God But at the same time, we need to be the ones that are doing that as well so that we can find hope, Uh, others can find hope uh, near us. And we do this with a pure heart. Can we call on the Lord without good motivations? We can be a Christian. We can be a disciple. We can do the right things. We can act even the right way for the wrong reason. James 4 talks about this the idea that we we think that we can uh, live in a certain way that may, in fact, go against what God is seeking for us. Uh, Look at verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, he calls them. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? One thing we learned from Nahum this morning, in in verse 2 of that passage, the Lord calls himself jealous. Why does he call himself jealous to this pagan nation? Because he's going to defend his people. And he's jealous about his people. He's not going to just give them up. And so Yes sir. Yeah, go go right ahead. You know, it's not I guess it could be wrong motives, but it also at least for me is I think of pure gold versus gold that is not that refined. hmm you know how the things and I think that's what James in that seems like you know, the heart still got some refining to do because part of it's still pulled away towards the world. Yes. Yeah, and that, that's so pervasive a thought because, I mean, again, wouldn't it be easier if we could just agree with everything that our friends from the denomination say? Wouldn't it be easier if, you know, everybody that says something, I mean, there was a person that talked to me the other day. We were talking about how long sermons can go and uh, mentioned, well, you know, if, if, if the if the Spirit wants them to speak on more you know if god gives them more words he ought to you know would have been a lot easier <laughs> a lot easier conversation if i could have just kind of nodded and agreed with him you know um but there are ways right there are ways that we can talk to people that come across in the right way that do not violate our focus on the lord and you know If we have that pure heart, I appreciate the comment about the idea of it being refined and pure gold. um, We're not going to be doing it so that they think well of us. We're not going to do it so that things are comfortable or easy in our interactions all the time. But we're going to be the lights that God wants us to be. I want us to turn to Psalm 24 to finish up today. Psalm 24. God is looking to us to be his disciples. And if we have the wrong mindset, if we're just going to kind of fake through it and everything, that can be a very burdensome notion that, you know, well, I've I've really got to watch my P's and Q's. I really got to be careful. I really, you know, if I just stumble, I'm just gone. Uh, That's no way to live. And God tells us that's no way to live. Psalm twenty four and verse one The earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein, for he is founded upon the seas and established upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. See, it's not about us. It's not about us. He, he will provide for us. He will lift us up. He will give us a home. And we can be in him. And the wonderful thing about that is that, that that's never going to stop, right? That's an eternal existence that can start right now. And so, uh, really, these are things that we need to be considering when we're talking about fleeing these lusts, fleeing our desires. We need to pursue these good things, so that we can be filled up and there's nothing left. There's no room left for anything evil. Satan can't get his foot in the door. And then there's a further strengthening with the fact that we're doing this with a genuine sincerity. We're seeking to do so with others that are of the same mind. And let me say something else. I didn't specifically talk about this, but accountability is one of the strongest and most important things. Any of you from here on, any other congregation you might worship with or go to, if you're in a place where you do not have accountability, you are in a dangerous place. If you're not a member of a local congregation where you have that accountability, where you can have brethren who are looking out for you and helping you and strengthening you, you're in a dangerous place. And so we need to be looking for these things and pursuing them with others of like mind. And any time that we push away that idea of accountability, oh, you know, this is my life. You know, you don't have a uh, who are you to judge me kind of deal. We're just making it worse for ourselves. And we're that much more unsafe. Paul, Acts 9, he joined himself to the disciples at Jerusalem. Why did he do so? Because God told him. God told him, All right. Any comments or questions on that? I know I, it was more of a lecture there, but I appreciate your patience, appreciate your attention. Anything else at all? All right. Let's bow together and we'll consider ourselves dismissed.